Habayim, ladies and gentlemen. Shalom and welcome right here to uh, Brutal Planet, right here on Yeshiva Radio. Yeshiva Radio can be found over at LapidJudaism.com. Also, you can go and get the archives of these broadcasts absolutely free through iTunes. You can get them through, uh, we got both the video and the MP3 versions over there. So you can subscribe to the one that it is that you want by searching Brutal Planet in your podcast app. We, uh, we also put these videos up on Vimeo, if so in case you want to download them. We also have them on YouTube as well. And then we have an edited version, which we upload to our social media accounts, as well as the over 2,000 archives that we have right over there at LapidJudaism.com. Click on the podcast tab and then click on to Brutal Planet, and you'll be able to get all of our archives over the duration of the past, I think we have the last seven years of uh, broadcast right over there, so you can go and get all of those as well. Now, we are all the way to chapter 13 within Rabbi Shalom Arush's book, The Garden of Peace, A Marital Guide for Men, and now we are into the part of what is called the premarital guide, okay? So for all of you married people, you already got all the instructions that it is that you need. This right here is for the unmarried individuals. Okay, and so these are some of the things in which some of you are probably out there trying to find yourself a mate, trying to find yourself a, a man or woman of God, and you're having some difficulty. And we are going to discuss about going and taking this entire thing and turning it around, turning it around so that it is that your next relationship is indeed your last. Okay, now the thing is that let's say that this is the first one that it is that you listen to. Okay, what you're going to want to do is go through all of the other archives that we have already posted as well as going and getting the book as well, because let me tell you something, it's not about just getting the girl, it's about the real work in learning how to keep her. Okay, and so this over here is going to be the pre, uh, the pre-incarnate of this, if you will, and the chapter 13 is entitled Finding a Mate, and in the very first line of the book, Rabbi Shalom Arush says, a person who goes through Shaduchim, an arranged date, or arranged marriage, relies on the fact that, that he knows how to find a proper mate is making a big mistake, okay? And so the thing is that what is, what is a Shaduch? What is, what, what is that? Some people, this may be a, a, a new concept to many people. This may be a brand new concept. Basically, what a Shaduch is is it is basically uh, what a person will do within that of a Jewish community is they will go and find themselves a matchmaker. And they have all these applications, as a matter of fact, all these applications that say so-and-so is looking for a mate, so-and-so is looking for a husband, so-and-so is looking for a wife. And, and, and what they end up doing is they go and they interview the people, they get to know them on a very deep and personal level. And the thing about it, though, is that this process, in many ways, has a 94% success rate in 10 years. Okay, so, so there's actually something to this. As a matter of fact, I'm actually getting to the point now to where I'm actually considering a sadoch, as a matter of fact. Anybody who wants to go and fill out an application for a sadoch, uh, go and send me a private message, and we'll, uh, you know, discuss the idea. Um, but this is something that has been done in Jewish culture for quite some time. As a matter of fact, this idea goes all the way back to the three forefathers of Judaism, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yochov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
It says, when our forefathers, Abra- or our forefather Abraham, sent his, sent his servant Eleazar to find a wife for his son Yitzhak, Avraham said to Eleazar in Genesis chapter 24, verse 7, Hashem, the God of heaven, will send his angel before you. That is to say that he promised Eleazar that he would receive help from heaven in finding a good and worthy match for Yitzhak. From here we learn that success in finding one's soulmate comes directly from that of heaven. Okay? Many people will say, well, no, 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 it's, 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 it's the matchmaker that goes and does it. No, no, it's, it's actually not. It actually comes from that directly of, from heaven. God, one of the things that we learn from the book of Esther is that even though that we don't see God's name mentioned once in the book of Esther, we see him working behind the scenes. We see that this is how God operates in many different parts of the Bible, where it is that certain players were put into play and all these things, but yet God was still working, though it is that his name is not revealed within that of the book of Esther. And so this is a core concept to understand that, first of all, God is in charge of every single aspect of life, the good and the bad. We talked a couple of weeks ago about emunah, about faith, how it is that we should have faith within that of a marriage, how it is that we should have faith within that of our relationships and every aspect of life. One of the things that we ultimately end up doing is, first of all, seeing things through the eyes of Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, or uh, chapter 4, verse 8, rather where it says all the things that are good, all the things that are trustworthy, all the the things that are of good report, we need to focus in on these things and how it is that that brings about Shalom Ba'is and how it is that that helps us to go and see God through every single aspect of humanity. Even the bad things that it is that we go through. We first of all, we instead of going and trying to place the blame on somebody else, we instead go go to Hashem. We go to God and we say, God, what is it that you're trying to show me? What is it that you're trying to teach me in this instance? Why is it that I'm going through this? Help me to, uh, to, to understand so that I can correct myself within this matter. So we see that even in the very small arbitrary things within that of our life, everything comes from that of Hashem. If I were to go and take this coffee mug right now and lay it down and it tipped over and spilled, even that, even that very, very thing was from Hashem for a reason. You guys watching this here today, you may have just say, well, you know, I just found this, you know, going and scrolling through the videos and all of that stuff. But there is a reason why it is that God has you going and watching this right now at this time. Whether it's because of the fact that you have to kill time so that it is that you don't get it into a car wreck, maybe one thing. To actually learn what it is that we're talking about, maybe another. Okay, but there's a reason why it is that you guys have decided to click on this teaching right now. And so this is something to understand. Everything comes from heaven. Everything is from Hashem. From here, we learn that success in finding one's soulmate comes from heaven. Since only the Creator truly knows who is a good and true match for each individual, the essence of finding one's soulmate is therefore to ask the Creator to help him in his search. Okay? This is step one. Step one is realizing that, first of all, everything comes from heaven. Second of all is surrendering ourselves to God and saying, God, I need your help on this. I can't do it on my own. I need your help on this. When Eleazar set out on a mission for his master Avraham Avenu, Abraham, he first prayed 
and only then took action. Our ancestral mother, Leah, prayed such a great deal, and she shed so many tears in order to merit a worthy soulmate that her eyes were weak from so much crying. We see this in Genesis chapter 29, verse 17. From here we learn that we, that we need to pray before taking any action. Any action at all, we need to pray. Before we turn to, 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 uh, to going towards a shadokh, or friends or acquaintances to help us find a soulmate, we must begin by praying and asking assistance from Hashem. Hashem determines all matches. So the way to find a good match is to pray that Hashem give us a genuine soulmate. Now the thing is that there's another step to this. First of all, one could be placed in your lap, just fall, you know, basically from heaven, essentially. But then at the same time, you may not still be ready. You may not still be ready at this, at this point. And this is something that we're going to get into. Many people think that that's, that's, that's the thing, that I'm not going to have to change, that I'm not going to have to, uh, you know, in, in, increase and go to another mandrega of understanding and observance and love towards that of God, that we think that, you know, just, you know, hey, as I am, it's all good. <laughs> we cannot operate in that manner. Can't do it. Now, Rabbi Shalom Arush goes on here, and he says, because in the matter of matches, we have nobody to depend on other than Hashem. The one who is seeking his soulmate must turn to, to God with complete trust and not depend upon his own perceptions or intellectual um, assessments because a person, sees, a person sees the eye, but Hashem sees the heart, as we see in 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's so funny because I, am, I, I have an IQ of 154. I'm a member of Mensa. I have two college degrees, working on my third one right now. But the thing that is funny, the thing that is funny about all of that is that I cannot say that, first of all, that I have it all together. <laughs> there are things, especially during this time of the year, during the time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, wherever it is that Hashem is having to change things within me, having to uh, have me work on certain attributes of my life. And this is where we get into this very aspect of this process of finding a mate. Because at this point, Hashem has said, Christopher, you have not merited it yet until it is that you learn certain things, things that it is that I have to work on each and every single year as I find more issue within that of myself to bring about my own tikkun, my own correction. Sometimes we go and we try and throw it all to Yeshua. And say, you know, oh, you know, Yeshua will go and fix this. And we think that there's no effort that needs to be done on our own behalf. That we don't need to take any action for ourselves and work on ourselves. We think that it's just going to poof, magically happen. But however, that's not the way that it works. As we see from the book, uh, from the, from Igeret Yolkov, the book of uh, Jacob or James, as it, all, as it is also known. We see how it is that our faith has to produce us moving forward going up in many different mandregas. How it is that we are constantly going through certain levels to become closer to God, to become better, to be able to serve people better, to be more edifying, to be 
you know, a better reflection of Elohai Avraham Aveno, Elohai Yitzhak, V'Elohai Yaakov, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, we must pray to God in this way. We must say, creator of the world, only you know who my soulmate is, and I rely only on you. Please help me meet up with my soulmate with no confusion, thoughts, or obstacles. That's what it is that we need to pray in terms of this process before it is that any person jumps in to anything. Both should pray after that, after this goes and starts to become something. Both should pray for marital peace, harmony and mutual respect, and a communitive, loving, and healthy relationship. They should ask for Hashem's blessing that they always help one another, that neither he nor she will be sterile or infertile, and that they may merit having righteous children. A man should pray that his wife have a good and charitable character and so forth. Prayer is the biggest part of this entire thing. We often go and take prayer and put it by the wayside. Or we treat prayer, as I said the other day, like a four-leaf clover. We say that, uh, you know, uh, hey God, you know, I'm going through this stuff right now. Help me out. Hey, where, where were you the other six days this week? Where were you then? You know, when it was that I was giving you this abundance of blessing at your job and I was helping you, you know, here and there. I provided for you oxygen in your lungs. I provided you food in your refrigerator. I provided you with water to drink, but yet I hear nothing from you. How often are we guilty of that very, very thing? When we are guilty of that thing and our prayer life is not where it is that it needs to be, engaging in both shakrit, minka, and hit baradot. Shakrit and minka deal with uh, communal prayer in the mornings and in the afternoon. Hit baradot is a concept that was taught by that of Yeshua the Messiah, where he says for us to go into our prayer closets. We see that Rabbi Nachman of Breslev goes and talks about this in the 18th century. You know, and this is why it is that I constantly say that, first of all, um, Yeshua taught Hasidic Judaism before Hasidic Judaism even had a label. Yeshua taught it, you know, based upon this concept as well as several others. <coughs> we have no gratitude towards Hashem for some reason. In today's time, in, t in today's time, we very much lack within that of our prayer. One of the things that we ultimately end up doing in terms of prayer is that, first of all, we go into Shakrit and Minka, the morning and afternoon communal prayers. We do those for the reasons of observance and, and of paying homage to God, saying, I am going to do your will. I am going to do the things that it is that you ask of me. That's why it is that us men go and do, do these very things. Hitbodot, however, is a much different animal. Hitbodot... Prayer and seclusion, you know, just that, there, there, there's no formula to that. It's just you going and talking with Hashem. Hey, buddy, what's going on? You know, that kind of thing. You know, I'm going through this, you know, I'm dealing with this, you know, and all of that stuff. You don't, you're not reading this from the Sador, okay? This is just you and Hashem. This is about building that relationship. First of all, there has to be the obedience, and then there's building the relationship upon that obedience, being able to see God in all of those different factions. 
And sometimes, if you know, so many so many believers I see cut out prayer altogether, but yet they'll they'll say on social media, "I'm praying for you," <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. But the fact is that many aren't, or they they simply go and they do shakrit and menka. Because of the fact that they find the beauty in the Hebrew language, they find the beauty in 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 this in this tradition and this concept, but then they neglect hipparadot, and so that very thing, you know, kind of plays into the scripture where Yeshua goes and says, "I never knew you." You know, so we got to have the two together. Got to have both minka and shachrit. You know, the things from the sador. Then we got to have hipparadot as well. We got to build that relationship with God. And this is key in being able to see him in every aspect of life. This is so key. And this is what is ultimately going to help you with finding a mate and is going to help you within that of your marriage. The great rabbi Yehaskel Levenstein explains, Although it is necessary that a wife for Isaac would continue in the path of our forefather Sarah, peace be upon her, in, the, in, in converting the woman and helping to spread Emunah to the world, nevertheless, Eliezer did look for a woman with sophisticated religious philosophies, but uh, didn't, rather. He did not look for a woman with, sof- with uh, sophisticated religious philosophies, but rather a generous, kind, and loving woman who was not selfish or self-centered. A woman like this has the ability to receive truth, and to give it over to others. This is the building block for what it is that every man should look for within that of a wife. This is what it is that you should look for. She doesn't need to be a yeshiva scholar. She doesn't need to be a Torah scholar. She doesn't need to be, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the rabbi's daughter. You know, she doesn't need to be these things. In fact, it is upon these very, very attributes Let me read them again. Being generous, kind, loving, not selfish, and not self-centered. This right here is the concept of Vaish Chayel. Okay? Woman of valor. Okay? This is the concept from Proverbs 31 right, right over here. This is what it is that you should seek, men. Beyond checking the obvious and basic criteria, one should not try to be too clever by probing, testing, and analyzing too much. Why? Before the wedding, it is impossible for a couple to really know each other in depth. It's almost impossible. For that's the work that only begins when the couple begins to live together. Because it's a it's a different attribute. It's a totally different thing, you know. Going from you being by yourself to having another person there, you know. And as the rabbi goes on to says and says here, only then do they truly get to know one another, and they begin to build and establish a true bond, a marriage built upon much compromise, patience, concerted effort, and a true desire to build together. Okay, now those of you who are not looking for anything such as this, not looking to change within that of yourself, then you shouldn't even be dating. Honestly. Because of the fact that, first of all, when you bring another person into that of your life, a person that you work in conjoinment with, 
that you work as 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 being echad, as it says within that of the book of Bereshit or Genesis, we see that first of all, compromise has to be made. First of all, changes are going to be made because you're going to operate as a unit together. If you are not interested in this, then wait till you gain a little bit more maturity until it is that you even worry about the concept of dating. It is very important that a person does not fool himself into thinking that he is a marrying the perfect person because there is no such thing. One must know from the start that every person has shortcomings and failings. Okay, no person is going to be perfect. Okay, there's these shortcomings and failings that are going to operate and serve as a tester within that of the relationship towards one another. And what happens in terms of it being a tester in many ways is that we learn how it is that we are to respond in a godly manner. This is how it is that these things operate. Just as each individual knows that himself is not perfect, so too his wife is not perfect. The whole purpose of the wedding is to learn to live together with love and to help each other perfect themselves. That's the goal. That's the goal. We read the story of the Holy Celibate Shelah in the very first episode of this series. How the Holy Celibate Shelah was not able to fulfill a single commandment of God. Why? Because of the fact that he chose to never be married. He chose to never be married. He goes up to the council of Zedekim and the council of Zedekim says, you haven't done anything. You haven't fulfilled a single mitzvah because you have chosen not to be married. And so the thing about it, though, is that a person can only fulfill mitzvahs, can only feel, fulfill commandments if it is that they are in, a, uh, in an environment to where it is that they are tested, to where it is that they have to compromise, to where it is that they have to see things from a three-dimensional aspect and see things through the eyes of another person. For the Mashiach goes in and even says that the greatest commandment is to love Hashem your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot do that if you're locked away. You cannot do that because the two things are a reflection of one another. The things in the, in the finite, in the physical, and then the things in Hashemayim, the things within that of heaven. They are together in terms of that aspect. Character improvement does not exist overnight. Okay? Now, this is something that we have to, we have to deal with. We are so used in today's society to a drive-through society. You know, right now, I can go on to my Apple TV and I can order any movie I want to see in the entire world just by a couple of clicks. This is kind of the, the way that it is that we've become accustomed to things in today's time, in, in the Western world today, where it is that we can have Jimmy John's go and deliver us a sub and it be here within 10 minutes. We are so used to this. We are so used to being able to go through a drive-thru somewhere and being able to receive an entire meal in less than three minutes. We have become so accustomed to this that we think that change needs to happen overnight. That change with that of our spouse or change with that of somebody that it is that we are dating can come about overnight. Should we expect things to operate in this manner? Chashvi shalom. God forbid. That is not the way that we should expect these things to operate. It takes the two working together in a union, in a chad, for it to work in that way. As, as, uh, as it says within that of the Talmud, it says it is easier to know the entire Talmud 
than to fix even one character trait. Now, for those of you who don't know, the volumes of Talmud are probably about, each volume is about two times the size of this book. Okay? There are 23 volumes of books that big. Doesn't mean that it's impossible. It means it takes a concerted effort that is more stringent than that of Daf Yomi. That is more stringent of studying Talmud each and every single day. Memorizing parts of it each and every single day is much more stringent than even that. And that is not saying that it's impossible, but rather that is the kind of effort that it requires. That's what is meant in that phrase. Therefore, the first thing that a husband needs to learn is to live with his wife's short shortcomings. His focus should always be on her positive traits, on the fact that her shortcomings are nothing compared to the wonderful quality, qualities that she possesses. This is why it is I constantly bring up that verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, to focus our minds on the things that are good, trustworthy, beautiful, all of these things, to focus our sights upon that of ahavat, love, shalom, peace, simcha, joy. We need to focus all of our, all of our thoughts, all of the things about us upon those things. Take, for instance, a person who doesn't do these things would be, for instance, a conspiracy theorist. A conspiracy theorist is not going to have a good marriage. Why? Because their focus is constantly on things either real or made up that are a part of negative association. Let's see how it is that I can destroy my former religious institution. Let's see how it is I can destroy this person. Let's see how it is that I can destroy that person. It becomes a part of them. This is why it is that why it is that Yeshua says where your otsar where your treasure is, there is your lave, there is your heart. The things that it is that you focus on are the things that becomes a part of you. The things that are good, that are the things that are full of, uh, of good report, the things that are full of simcha, joy, ahava, love, shalom, peace, all of those things, those are the things that become a part of you. Those should be our constant focus on every attribute of life. Every attribute of life should be centered around those things. Therefore, the first thing a husband needs to learn to live with is... Okay, we already read that. <laughs> the whole purpose for your getting married is to enable you to truly get to work on improving your character, realizing that the entire purpose of the wedding is to prepare a person for the true service of Hashem, as we talked about briefly about the Holy Celebrate Shalat. Um, the true service of Hashem is the best possible preparation for marriage life. Okay, and this deals, again, with hipodotot. This deals with prayer. Oftentimes, when we pray, we go and we say, God, I want you to do this in my life. I want, you know, my bills to be paid. God, I want, uh, you know, this, this new car. I, I ask, you know, uh, you know, that you give me the means for this or that or something else. You know, I pray that my job goes well. That's not the way that we should pray. Be praying. Let us refer back to the Avinu prayer. We all know the Avinu prayer, also known as the Lord's prayer. Whenever it is that we go into that, we first of all, he, we see that Yeshua first of all goes and gives praises to Hashem. And then he goes and he says, you know, help us with the things that are within our soul. 
the things that are within us that need correcting. So therefore, in today's time, the way that it is that we go about it is we use the formula of the Avinu prayer, the, the Lord's prayer. And we, first of all, we recognize, we start out with, We go and we say, Blessed are you, Master Hashem, Master of the Universe. You know, we go and we recognize him as such. And then we start to ask him to change the things within us, to help us, to enable us to change the things within us that need to be changed. Let's say that it is that you are addicted to cigarettes or something like that. And that's something that God wants you to get to get rid of. He wants you to get rid of your cigarette habit. Okay, so you go into prayer and you don't say, God, just go and take this from me. You say, God, instead, help to enable me to go and to attack the parts of my Yetzirah that helped me to kill those aspects of my Yetzirah, that caused me to rely upon this thing. Help me to become the person that it is that you want me to be, to be able to fulfill your will. It's all about enabling you to be able to make the changes, not to just poof, magically it's gone. Because if you're waiting on that, the fact is that, you know, it's not really going to work. You have to put forth the effort and you have to ask God to show you the things that it is that you don't want to hear within you. And so this is how you prepare yourself for marriage. This is how you prepare yourself for finding a mate. You ask God on a daily basis, find the things within me that need to be changed. Find the things within me that it is that I am just for some reason not seeing. Help me to find those things. Show them to me. And then, and then on top of it, at the same time, what I need you to do is to reveal it to me and then help me to put things into motion to correct these things within me that need to be corrected. We're going through the last little part here. Uh, make sure to go ahead and get in, get in your questions. And at the very end, we'll go and answer those, those questions here. We got about two more pages here, and then we'll go and start taking questions or comments or, you know, even disagreements that it is that you guys may have on some of the things that we've been talking about here today. It's vital for a man not to be arrogant and picky because ultimately they are liable to miss out on meeting their soulmate. The stapler Rav of blessed memory and saintly memory com uh, commented on the phenomena of many older unmarried yeshiva students. This is a sickness. When they become of uh, 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 when those when those become of their excessive arrogance, lose their true intended matches by their own two hands. Arrogance is something that is a killer in the in in many of the different variations of the biblical faith, be it Christianity, would be it Messianic Judaism, the Hebrew roots. I've even seen the issue in my own faith in Lapid Judaism. I've seen, you know, the, this constantly become an issue is the arrogance. You know, when person comes into the to the understanding that, you know, that God, you know, uh, said, you know, uh, the, the, the mitzvahs, the commandments of Hashem are forever. And then when God, you know, Yeshua came and kept and taught the Torah, there's an arrogance that seems to come over a person. This arrogance is masking the things that uh, are that need for validation, that need to want to be right all the time, that need to be validation. So when somebody says, hey, you might need to look at this, this aspect a little bit differently because, you know, here's the Hebrew, here's what Hazal says, and so on and so forth. The ego then goes and says, wait a minute, I'm not being validated here. And so block, 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 block. That's what we ultimately end up seeing. 
And this is damaging. This is going to destroy a person. This is ultimately going to destroy a person and cause, you know, even, let's say the Hasvi Shalom, they ultimately end up getting married. It's going to be destructive because that ego is going to destroy it. There's going to be a minor argument that turns into a major argument of something that doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. But that inability to compromise and to have shalom, the ego gets in the way of that. The ego is the biggest arbitrator of that of the Yetzirah. It is the big, biggest enabler of the Yetzirah, the evil inclination whose job and goal is ultimately to kill us. That is the job of the Yetzirah. It is ultimately to kill us. And so the thing that it, you know, constantly uh, goes and tries to put forward is our ego. It feeds the ego. You know, it's like that little puppet beside of it, beside of this. Oh, you're awesome. You're super fly. You know, <laughs> it's that kind of idea, you know, that we constantly hear that within that of our minds. And we are unable to fulfill even the two most important commandments and even our Melech Mashiach, Yeshua, even goes and says that if you want to be, um, 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 oh, I, I totally forgot the verse. If you want to be Roshon, if you want to be first in Olam Hazeh, then you must be Eved. If you want to be first in the kingdom, then you have to be a servant. That's how it is that you put yourself first. The arrogant person cannot become a servant. And according to what it is that we've learned within that of Rabbi Shalom Arush's book, from the scripture as well as from Hazel, is that first of all, a person who relies upon ego and is unable to go and to be a servant to his wife is not even technically a man. He is an animal. He hasn't learned how to be a man. This is, this is the thing that ultimately destroys individuals ultimately destroys marriages and not only the marriage, but them and their physical being on top of it. Pray to Hashem to ask Him for forgiveness in acting with arrogance up until today and rejecting the proposals that Hashem sent, since one of them could have been the true soulmate. Ask Hashem for a new beginning, to be merciful, to send your true intended. Hashem will have mercy and will send a good match as he, as we have witnessed with our own eyes. Many young men who come to yeshiva and did teshuva merited good wives and righteous children. Happy are they. Why is that? Because of that working on self, that working on yourself and realizing, hey, I'm not really the bee's knees here. People may think I am, you know, at my job. People may think I am on the radio, but I'm really not. It's understanding those, those things. It's understanding those things and saying, Hashem, I have flawed, man. Help me. It's understanding those things and approaching God in that way. And it is said, and it's said in the great name of, of Rabbi Eli, uh, Eliyahu Lapin of blessed memory and saintly memory, a person's match is made accordance to the deeds he performs now. Okay, think on that. At uh, in the present, at the time of his shadok, and not according to the deeds of the past. Let the past go, as Yeshua goes and says. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Focus in on where it is that you're going. Focus in on the now. This is what it is I need to work on now. 
This is what it is I need to do now. This is what it is that, you know, this is what it is I'm working towards. Rather, he is matched according to the deeds he does now as he is today. That's key. That's key. What is it that you think you merit? Think on that very thing. What is it that you think you merit right now? Because ultimately, that is what it is that you merit. Hopefully, hopefully, we all want something better than that. We want to engage in hippodot. Not for the reason of simply finding a mate, but this will enable you to do it. These concepts that it is that we talk about, that should not be your total goal. It should be a huge goal, but not the total goal. The total goal is that ultimately you see that reflection within that of your marriage, that it is that you will one day have with that of your relationship of the creator of heaven and earth. Let's see if we got any questions. If you guys have any questions, make sure to go ahead and put them in. I'm going to get a sip of my coffee as I scroll through here. And uh, we got one more week of the Garden of Peace, and we will have finished it up. And then we'll get back into our Derache series after it is that, uh, that we finish that up. Let's see. Larry's saying, Shalom from Texas. All right, well, Shalom. Stacy's uh, saying that she's in Alexandria, uh, Louisiana. I didn't know everybody was talking about where it was they, they were from, but, you know, okay, we'll take it. <laughs> uh, Jose says amen, and Jose also says blessings from New Mexico. Uh, Deantha, did I, did I ask everybody where they were from or something like that? <laughs> Deantha says hello from Aruba, and uh, don't seem that we have any questions. All right, so I guess uh, we were able to uh, basically hit on all the things that we needed to, and I want to wish each and every single one of you shalom bracha, peace and a blessing, and next week we will wrap up our uh, Garden of Peace series. All of these archives, by the way, are on iTunes in MP3 and video version. We also have all of the archives of all the 14 other episodes that it is that we've done uh, in video form on both Vimeo and on YouTube. And the reason why we put them on Vimeo is because of the fact we want you guys to be able to use those and download them and all those things. And we will get this teaching up there tonight. Okay. I want to wish each and every single one of you Shalom Bracha, peace and a blessing. Shalom. So you want to learn Hebrew or Aramaic or maybe both? Make sure to check out HebrewandAramaic.com. All three of the instructors on the website have accredited Moray licenses to teach the languages that they teach on the website. You can take the lessons on your very own time, and they even have a Roku channel so you can learn from the comfort of your very own couch. With over 200 videos going step-by-step -step through the languages and all the various scripts and over 100 PDFs of exercises and quizzes, this is the most thorough set of lessons that you'll find anywhere on the languages of the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah. So visit HebrewAndAramaic.com today and sign up for only $15 a month.